You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks, and welcome to episode 83 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchot, and this is the show for July 2020. Joining me today, I have a far-flung panel. Let me see. According to my show notes, I will first mention the wonderful Linda Goucher, all the way from the far coast of the United States of America and the Silicon Valley Mac Users Group. Hi, Linda, and welcome back. Hello, Bart. I am elated to be here. Well, good, and it's it's an earnings month, and I have you. This makes me very happy. <laughs> good, good. Then from the other side of me, literally, geographically, I am also joined by the wonderful Gazmaz from the MyMac podcast. Hi, Gaz. Hello, hello. Long, long time no speak, because I think I missed the last couple, maybe. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm glad to be back. It's always nice to be here. And LTA 83. 83, 83 for a monthly one, show. One, Yes, yes, that's what I was just thinking. Wow. Yeah, is that divisible by 12? Not quite, but I think I'm getting close to some sort of anniversary because I think I started these around September, October. Must be. It I must should be. do some maths. I'm a computer scientist. I should be able to divide by 12. Anyway, um, <laughs> we have ourselves a big month of Apple news to get through. So before we get into new stuff, just a quick follow-up on some long-running evergreen stories and the evergreenest and longest runniest of them all is probably our little current pandemic um so just a quick rundown of what's been going on in pandemic land um so in terms of apple stores uh we have apple today is coming back to london with a made in ldn sessions but they're all going to be virtual um so they're going to be music sessions virtually run out of the london apple store so that's interesting uh, Victoria, actually, the, the whole concept of this pandemic has given us a new word, the word reclose. Not in the dictionary, didn't exist all over the place now uh, and all over my newsfeed. So Victoria Apple stores are reclosing following COVID-19 spike. Apple stores are now offering shop with a specialist appointments. So this is the idea is rather than just wandering into a store in the middle of a pandemic, you ring ahead and you book an appointment and then you can be properly met in an appropriate time with appropriate physical distance and appropriate, you know, masking and all that. And you can shop safely with your specialist. So that's that's how, one of the ways Apple is trying to make their stores work better. Having said that, they are still perfectly happy to reclose stores as needed. So next to happen chronologically, 11 more Apple stores reclose in the US from July 10. Then Apple recloses more stores returning six to curbside service in california which is another interesting sort of halfway house uh, meanwhile on the other side of the atlantic apple high cross joins other uk stores in reopening following covid19 and uh perhaps as no surprise to anyone apple in there very quickly but very yes. very quickly that's apple high cross which is in leicester which Ooh. until very recently was on a major shutdown of course so i was a little bit surprised when i saw that yeah, I'm hoping things are going better in Leicester. We hope. So. Yes, they are. They are. So, uh, but it, it, this seemed to come almost at the, the the absolute crossover. So, almost as as if the news went that they are okay to start thinking about opening stores. Apple announced this, which seems to be very uh, up to date. But yeah, anyway, I guess maybe they had it planned, and I just sort of got lucky. <laughs> they Possibly, just didn't have to close. Um, 
Meanwhile, Apple have cancelled their uh, field trips. That's probably wise or retired. Um, and they are dreaming up some new education events, which they will tell us about when they finish dreaming them up. Uh, meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal did a very interesting video showing that Apple store closures track COVID-19 extremely accurately, more accurately indeed than a lot of government advice. Um, so that, that's interesting. In terms of exposure notification or contact tracing apps... Um, Actually, Bart, yeah, before Karen. you go on, let me make one comment. One of the stores that is in the reclose list in uh, returning to uh, curbside services you have in the notes is the Valley Fair store, which is the store near me. Mm. Um, husband and I were there, were in the mall anyway, oh, I don't a couple months ago before it reclosed. And it was really odd. They were definitely monitoring people as they go in. When you looked in the store, normal times, you're used to it being fully crowded. Yeah. Now, not so much. And right across the way inside the mall is the Microsoft store, which is now, of course, permanently closed. So just a bit of observation from here on the ground. Cool. Um, You haven't needed to use Apple's facilities during the the pandemic at all. You You haven't needed... Um, I, I, I currently have a minor issue on, uh, my watch actually, which is, uh, covered by Apple care and I haven't called them yet. So I can't give any, any further testimonial yet. Yet. Well, I mean, here in Ireland, we obviously have the option. Well, the only option we have is that they send a man with a box. You put the watch in the box and then they send it back to you a few days later. Although often within 48 hours, it's actually kind of impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping that they'll they'll tell me they'll just give me a case number and I'll be able to wait until the new ones come out and get myself a new one. But we'll see. <laughs> well, that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we are getting to that time in the summer, all right, when we can start thinking about such things. Yeah, August. So the other big thing then, obviously, in terms of our ongoing pandemic experience is exposure notification slash contact tracing apps. And I get to sing the praises of little old Ireland this time. So we have very successfully launched an app, um, literally millions of downloads in a country of only three and a half million people. And in terms of per capita, it is apparently the best launch in the world. And lots of other countries have come to us looking for our code. Our app is using the Apple Google API. It is extremely well designed. It is extremely obvious what it does. And the privacy stuff on the matching website is extremely good. And it's by a small Irish software company, and they have also now made an app for Northern Ireland, which is also launched. And um, they have had a number of U.S. states in touch with them and a number of other countries around the world as well looking for them to develop apps for their countries. So well done, little old Ireland. Nice way to say that. And I, of course, have it downloaded. I have it installed, and it does its thing, which thankfully is be nice and silent. I'm hoping not to hear from the app. Um, meanwhile, in the United States, um, the APHL, which I oh, I should have remembered to write down what that acronym was. It's a medical organization. The American, I'm guessing. Come on, load page. The No, I accept the cookies. Just tell me. It's the Association for Public Health Laboratories. That's who that is. In the United States, um, they have created a service where states can host the data for their um, COVID apps that use the Apple Google API. 
Uh, unfortunately, there are not very many states in the United States currently doing so, um, which is the other related story, which is a little bit disappointing. Only four states in the entire US plan to use the Google Apple API at the moment, which is very sad. Uh, the Australian government continues to blame Apple for the fact that they can't seem to write an app, even though other countries like Ireland, Germany, Switzerland, uh, Italy, lots more can do so just fine. So that's that really wears thin with me. And in fact, the Canadians have also successfully released an Apple Google based app. So it's clearly possible. So I don't know what the Australians are going on about. Gaz, <laughs> I'm almost afraid to ask if there's been any developments in the UK. Um, I think that actually the UK government has probably gone completely the other way and decided, no, we're not going to do anything because I've heard nothing recently. Absolutely nothing. When we go out now, we have to basically do track and trace on a piece of paper to the, um, the, the restaurant or wherever it is that you sit down. Um, there was recently a, um, a bar or something which uh, had exactly that situation and they had to do the track and trace through paper. How that gets transposed on to the local authorities, I've got no idea, but we've heard nothing. Um, the original app came in, was a complete flop. They then ummed and ahed, finally deciding that they would go with the Apple Google um, API. Um, and since then, we've, we've not, we've heard very little. Well, the last I heard, they were planning on having it ready, quote, for the winter. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Th thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I'm, I'm afraid I haven't heard, haven't heard anything out of California either. Did you, anything happening there that you're aware of? Not that I'm aware of. And we're, I mean, the cases are going, I, I'm not sure, you may know the answer to this, but how good is the efficacy of the app if you've got, if you're being overwhelmed by cases at the moment? Well, you know? they're obviously, the, the Irish uh, health authorities are very high on, pri on privacy and have been since the start of the pandemic, but it, they did actually say to the media that there have been cases successfully traced through the app. Yeah. it's All I, all I know is that our numbers are, are not good, although in our local county, they're kind of okay, but some of the counties in California are very bad and a few are very good. Mm -hmm. uh, so... So, yeah, it's the whole our country is not doing well with the situation. Um, so and I've not heard anything about California specifically with with respect to the app. Yeah, and it would be up to California to do it because the decision in the states has been that it is a state issue, not a federal issue. So not a good decision, but that's my opinion. I, I don't disagree with you, uh, but I don't particularly feel it's my place to say. But it is, you know, anyway. no. Yes. <laughs> Um, in other COVID-related news, Apple says its offices in the US will not fully reopen until at least 2021. Apple have updated their education programs for coding, since there's lots of people doing that kind of thing from home now. iOS 13.6 has added symptom tracking to the health app. Now, that's way, 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 way bigger than COVID. That is just basically a way to keep track of your aches and pains and things, whether it's a, you know that bad knee you have or whatever really helpful when you go to the doctor to be able to have actual information as opposed to, well, I think I was grand two weeks ago and I think before that it wasn't great. You know, Some actual information would be very helpful to the health professionals. And obviously, if you are the kind of, you know, if you have a pre-existing medical condition that is 
COVID-like, it would be very good to know what your baseline is so that you can notice it not being its baseline should the worst happen. So it's it's a good feature to have come out now. Uh, if you live in the US, Apple have added travel warnings to Apple Maps. If you reappear in the country at an airport, they will give you a little notification with the CDC guidelines for what you're supposed to do when you come in from abroad. Um, and meanwhile, according to some analysis, um, Apple are the only Fortune 500 or Fortune 50 company to have actually properly planned for a COVID-like pandemic and insured themselves against it. So if you look at old Apple filings, they actually had stuff in there about pandemics. And so they actually have been preparing for this for years. And it would appear no one else in the Fortune 50 was as forward thinking as Apple were, which is interesting. Any other thoughts before we put our pandemic friend aside for a month? Yeah, unfortunately, you're going to be uh, repeating similar news, I think, next month on our pandemic. I, I think, as I say, this story is likely to be in the show notes for a while, but I'd like to get it out of the way up top so we can stop talking about it. So, yep. no more from me. Still not quite in the happy, although, well, it's more positive than it could be. Uh, the the whole Black Lives Matter thing continues to roll on. Um, in terms of Apple, actually quite a bit happening in that regard in July. Um, so Apple have extended its partnership with historically black universities and colleges in the US. Um, Apple have updated their coding terminology to remove non-inclusive language like master-slave and those kind of things. Um Representative John Lewis was given a tribute on Apple's homepage. Um, Apple are also donating the proceeds from their John Lewis documentary to uh, museums. And Apple are launching resources for parents and educators to help them have that difficult conversation about racial injustice with their kids. And finally, Apple Card payments are... Oh, that one's in the wrong place. That should have been in the COVID section. Apple Card payment program extended for August. So if you can't pay your bills, the Apple Card, you get an extra month because it's COVID times. I should, that story should have been in the other section. Um, I, I think that's all positive stuff. Yeah, I'll make one mention. Um, I looked in the show notes specifically about the John Lewis document, uh, documentary. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, I have not seen it. I don't tend to watch a lot of television at all, but the um, trailer on that looks very, very good. I did watch the trailer. It's linked on the on the on, it's on the page that you linked to. Yeah, it's it's on my to watch list, which is often quite a bit longer than I have time to actually fulfil. But it it is definitely yeah. on my list. Yeah. Okay. Um, unless you have anything to jump in, guys. No. No. no I think uh, it's pretty well covered. Uh, Apple services continue to slowly get better. Um, Apple Card has gotten limited integration to the budgeting service Mint. Apple Card's credit reporting is now flowing through Experian, um, which is helpful if you need credit rating and so forth. Um, Apple is expanding its independent repair provider program, which is uh, basically where people can get proper Apple support for fixing out-of-warranty devices with actual genuine parts. So that went out for testing in America, and that is now rolling out to 32 countries in Europe and to Canada. So that's that's progress. The option to have monthly AppleCare Plus is also rolling out a little further, in this case to Canada, Australia, and Japan. And if you live in Scandinavia, look out for the... Um, Apple Maps cars, because they are currently deployed in Finland, Norway, and Sweden to give those countries the updated Apple Maps treatment. Um, 
Ireland got this, I think it was last summer. Um, I actually saw the Apple car doing the rounds here in little old Maynooth, um, which is why I wasn't at all surprised that we were mentioned in the keynote as being one of the countries to get shiny new maps shortly. So uh, if you're living in Scandinavia, keep an eye out. They're white and they have Apple written on them. They're quite nice. Um, if you were affected by Battery Gate and you live in the United States of America, you can now claim your $25 share of the settlement, assuming you can find your serial number from a device you probably don't have anymore. So there's some links in the show notes to some helpful tips about how you might get your serial number. Finally, or not finally, nearly finally, uh, the public betas are out for iOS 14, iPadOS 14, tvOS 14. Do bear in mind that betas are called betas for a reason. And if you do want to play, they will crash and stuff will be broken. And you should only do it on a device that isn't your main device. Uh, and then what's next? Uh, Apple. Oh, yes. Uh, last year at Black Hat, Apple announced they were going to make special sort of pre-hacked iPhones um, that would allow security researchers to have root access on their iPhones without having to jailbreak them to help them do their security research. That program is now live. So security researchers can apply to Apple for one of these special research phones that will give them the, all the access they need to do their research. And finally, Apple has started to follow through on their promise to spend $2.5 billion to help with the housing crisis in California by allocating $400 million to affordable housing in the Bay Area. And somehow I've managed to mispaste show notes again. Um, Arizona and a whole bunch of other states have actually started an investigation into the iPhone slowdown thing. So, yes, there's a settlement, but no, that doesn't mean it's over because that was at the federal level and not at the state level. So at the state level, we get to do it all over again. So um, maybe you get more than $25 if you could find your serial number and if you live in Arizona or one of the other states. Um, anyone have any thoughts on any of those follow-ups apart from the fact that I'm particularly bad this month at copying and pasting? Can I? Yeah, my my only thought is if you go back to LTA one, can you imagine that you would have been talking about such a wide range of issues um, covering for for Apple News? Just it just <laughs> what amazes me now is just the the breadth of areas that we talk about when we talk about Apple. That is, yeah, that is a good point. Actually, they really are everywhere. Um... And in so many things, and especially, I guess, with the move to services, it, it really expands out um, yeah. all of the things. Uh, OK, so let us jump then into the next section, which is HR and acquisition news. And there's usually a little bit more to this, but uh, this month, very quiet. Apple have acquired a company called MobiWave and they make iPhone payment terminals. So I guess Apple Pay is going to get either some only some new talent or maybe some new talent and some new features. And more than that, we do not know. Yeah, that threw, that threw me a little bit when I first saw that because the, the article that I read talked about um, iPhones being able to pay over, is it, uh, what's the term, NFC, is it? That's yeah. Right. yeah. Um, and I thought, hang on, it scratches head. I thought they could already do that. But of course, if this is a payment terminal, that's slightly different. And a, a lot of a lot of companies use ipads as payment terminals so um they I do so so i'm a bit perhaps i think you're right there this is possibly a combination of ip acquisition and talent or combination of the, the two things possibly as well or they've, they've got a, 
a really good process which will um, they can link into the phone to make those uh, a much more usable device for restaurants and um, other such um, places of uh, purchasing. Yeah, I mean, it's either just an aqua hire or there's a product of some sort on the way at some stage. In, in the article, uh, at least, well, I looked at the Mac Observer article and that links to an article from Bloomberg and they talk about um, uh, this in, making Apple a competitor to Square. And I don't know if you have this um, in the UK and in Ireland, but we have Square has these little attachments yes. that attach. Yeah. Okay. So this evidently will enable to pay through an Apple device without the Square terminal. Yeah, and that's where that's what I I didn't initially think of that until um, obviously it was the HFC. I thought, well, you can use your phone um, NFC, but then it suddenly struck me that I've got a little Square device downstairs which I use for the um, the uh, rugby society that I'm with. to take payments and of course if i could do that with a phone then that device then becomes defunct yeah yeah because at the moment your phone can pay over nfc but it can't receive over nfc correct that's it that's it and so if apple were to integrate this straight in this kind of functionality straight into ios then if you were running a stall at a local market or whatever you wouldn't need the little device or if you're running a sports club or whatever you just hold out your phone and they'd you know they'd hold out their phone and the phones would share money which will be nice. So it's, there's potential of interesting stuff here, but of course, Apple will never tell you why they're buying someone. So they now have this IP and these people. Your guess, good as mine. So this comes, next section comes with my monthly little reminder that I am not an expert on the media or on content, and I have no interest in becoming one. Uh, but Apple are involved in this area, so I do think it's important that we keep our eye on this, but we don't... I'm not an expert, so I'm just going to read out the headlines and then we can have a wee chat later. Uh, so all of this happened in July, right? So that it's going to take me a wee while to read this because Apple have been darn busy. So Apple are bringing Where the Wild Things Are to Apple TV Plus as a series. They're bringing the a, an adaptation of the graphic novel Snowblind with Jake Gyllenhaal. Greyhound, Little Voice and Greatness Code all debuted this month on Apple TV+. Apple have a first look deal now with Idris Elba. Um, Apple have dropped a new trailer for Ted Lasso, which is going to arrive middle of August. Apple TV have landed an original film, Palmer, starring Justin Timberlake. Apple have ordered an action thriller Echo 3. Grace Kaufman will lead the Apple TV Plus movie The Sky is Everywhere. Noggin is now available as an Apple TV channel in Latin America. Apple orders the thriller series Shining Girls, starring Elizabeth Moss. Apple partnered with Werner Herzog for a documentary called Fireball, which, with my astronomer hat on, sounds darn, darn interesting. Uh, Apple TV Plus will start streaming the Oprah Conversations on July 30th, which is now in the past. So I guess that's available if I were to go downstairs and try have a look. And finally, season two of The Morning Show is getting a rewrite so that it covers the pandemic, uh, which is interesting because season one got a rewrite to cover me too. Um, so they, they don't seem to be having the best of luck in terms of having to, you know, they've, they've written four series and they're only on their second, uh, which is interesting. So... Apart from the obvious great volume of stuff going on here, anyone have any thoughts? The only item 
amongst that that I had any sort of interaction with through the month of July um, was the film. Uh, was it Greyhound? No, was it Greyhound. Greyhound? Yeah, Greyhound with um, oh Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. And I watched it on my iPad. Ooh. And I I would advise anybody, if you've not seen it, it's a reasonable film to watch. Um, I think it's been hyped up a little bit more than it should have been. But watch it on a large screen because I, th- yes. I think it really is a small screen watch. And interestingly, I had the sync error with the sound. I found out later a lot of people were having. I assumed that I'd got a sync problem with my Wi-Fi, etc. But actually the voice uh, syncing went out. So I kind of restarted, got to roughly the point or just beyond, and it seemed to come back into place. But yes, there was a sync issue. Now, I, I would hope that that's been fixed now. But that's the only thing that I've really had any interaction with with Apple TV over the uh, month of July. Yeah, I, I have to say, I watched Greyhound as well. I watched it on the big screen. I didn't have the sync issue. And I, I mean, I'm a bit of a history buff. I'm a bit of a, you know, I, I generally speaking have found Tom Hanks to be very good. So I figured, what the hey? Not, you know, not that up on the Battle of the Atlantic. This sounds interesting. I was hooked. I it, It's it's a proper thriller. Like it, it's, um, and they don't treat the audience like an idiot. They, they don't tell you what's going on. It, you know, all the jargon is accurate and correct, and they don't bother explaining it to you, the viewer. And it, it really, really pulls you in because you don't know where the sodding submarine is. You do know that they're sending you scary radio messages telling they're about to blow you out of the water. Like, it's, yeah, I, I was extremely impressed. And I can see why Tom Hanks was disappointed it didn't debut on the big screen because it yeah. definitely benefits from that cinematic feel. I'd agree. I'd agree with that. I'd agree yeah. with that. Do you, do you watch it too, Linda? I did not. Um, we may get to it. We, But we are, like you, we're not much for watching. I mean, we watch a few documentaries usually from public uh, television, and that's about all. And uh, that's only during the, on the weekends. Yeah. Just no time for television, really. Well, hopefully when Werner Herzog gets his fireball documentary, that will be one you still enjoy. Um, certainly sounds interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, as I say, I'm no expert on content, so unless anyone else has strong feelings about any of those stories, I'm going to move us along. No, I just I think it just goes. They they need to do more and more because obviously I think they're they're still fairly light on content if they want to pull people people in. I'm certainly not looking to um, subscribe uh, when my free um, session ends uh, in Septemberish, whenever it is, um, and they're having to do that. The problem is the the lockdown is not helping anybody in terms of content is it so i have to say i was very very 50 50 on whether or not i'd keep it and i'm leaning 51 percent keep at the moment Uh, because anytime i've watched any sort of documentary or factual content it's been superb and much to my surprise the non-factual content has also been superb because i only watch the morning show because i just I think Reese Witherspoon is an amazing person and I just wanted to see what she was doing. I got totally hooked, utterly sucked in completely. Ended up like, you know, binging it far too late into the night. And then the ending was like, oh, so yeah, definitely want season two. Um, so I'm, I'm much to my surprise. I think I'll be keeping Apple TV. 
Plus. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I'm not a big, I, I'm a bit of a miser when it comes to buying uh, subscription services. Full stop, as people on the MyMac uh, show will know. But uh, it, it, I quite enjoyed the morning show. So if season two gets me hooked, and there, there's also, is it Foundation that they've got coming as well? Oh yes. Which you're, which you're not going to be mentioning here because obviously it's not happened yet. But they've, they've announced Foundation, and that got me all, all. So. Yeah, if they can keep coming up with stuff like that. And for all mankind, that one has me totally hooked as well. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. So. Oh, it's good. If you're into sci-fi, it's it's really good. Alternative history sci-fi, I'm really impressed. See, see, for someone who didn't have a lot of input onto this section, you had more than you thought. Well, yeah, just my opinion. <laughs> for my opinions, <laughs> what little they're worth. Um, I have no idea what half the names I read out are. I know who Werner Herzog is and I know who Oprah is. <laughs> Other than that, mostly no idea. No idea who... Oh, no, Justin Timberlake I recognise, but that's that's kind of it. Uh, Elizabeth Moss, no idea. I thought there used to be a Kate Moss when I was young, but I have no idea who Elizabeth Moss is. <laughs> anyway, let us move on to our five main stories for the month. Um... They will be the Apple Q3 earnings call, um, Apple's rather ambitious plan to be carbon neutral by 2030, the European Court of Justice coming out on Apple and Ireland's side in the fight against the European Commission, the antitrust pressure that is coming on Apple from both sides of the Atlantic Ocean, and finally, quite a good month in terms of Apple's original content. I We should have saved that discussion for Section 5. Anyway, we'll we'll get to that. So, first of the main stories, Apple had their Q3 2020 earnings call, and because of our viral friend, they had not issued any guidance. So, to some extent, we were always in for a bit of a surprise, and correct me if I'm wrong, Linda, but I don't think anyone was expecting a particularly good quarter, only they had a record Q3 quarter, and basically everything's up. So... Did you, I don't know, do you want to give us the the twenty thousand foot view of the of the earnings? Um, sure. It, it, <laughs> the twenty thousand. I was say the earnings were excellent. Um, it, we have commentators, of course, who say that you can tell how good they are by the number of analysts on the call that offer congratulations. Right. And on this call, there were three of them that offered congratulations, either on the quarter or on on some specific part of the results. Most were, I think, there were two that were like congratulations on the quarter, and one person said congratulations on, I believe it was the iPad and uh, Mac numbers. So, um, yeah, so the quarter was really excellent, and it did surprise um, the stock. <laughs> since then, has gone. It was up. Um, I can't even, it was up, I believe 10% on, uh, let's see, today's Monday on Friday. So Mm. after the, the report, and then it was up another $10, which is like only about two uh, under 3% today. Okay. It's a stock nuts. I mean, yeah, (laughs) which is unusual because normally Apple reported a great quarter and the stock falls off a cliff because everyone was like, well, we thought it would be super great. And it was only great. That 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 is it, it is often, and this is the in the market generally, buy on the rumor, sell on the news. This yeah. time the rumor wasn't out there, you know. So so part of what you see when when that phenomenon happens when they sell is because people have put in the money ahead of time, buy on the rumor, the rumor yeah. that, it, that it's going to be good or whatever, and then they sell when they get the news. This time the news was really unexpected, especially that it would be this good. 
Can, mm. can I jump in there, Linda? It, that, sure. that actually is a bit of a surprise, though, isn't it? Because normally analysts don't like surprises. Um, so very often the, the, they, they might still not attack a company, but they still might not do as well as, as Apple have done out off the back of this because they said, you know, we, we just didn't see that coming. Whereas uh, that's the job of the analysts and, you know, they should know that it's coming. So they don't always like that. But I think in the current, in the current world, any good news is being treated as, yeah, we got to run with that, I think. Um, but I think it was a big surprise because everybody was really banging it down on, on what the, they, the, the results would be like. So I think it um, just goes to show that um, maybe they're not quite as accurate as um, uh, some of their tipsters as they, they always think they are. But Well, okay, know. Let me let me answer that. Uh, remember that the analyst's job is to predict predict the future. Yep, that's the analyst's job, and they are to guide their clients towards their best guess based on their research. So to say that they don't like it one way or the other, I I don't think I would agree with you on that. Um, I think that's going to vary widely from individual to individual. There's a guy. Um, if you listen to Mac OS Ken, he'll talk about Daniel Ives of, I believe it's Wedbush uh, Securities, mm. who is always very bullish. And I caught a, uh, an interview with him on a, a Bloomberg podcast recently, and he's he's put a price target. He's probably the most bullish now, since I don't think Brian White is still is still out there. I'm not sure. Uh, still covering Apple anyway. Uh, but he, he gave a bull case for Apple for, for a share price of $525. That's incredible. So sometimes you have your people who are optimists and it makes them look good when Apple then does well. And then you have your people uh, on the other side is, I believe, Rod Hall from Goldman Sachs. And he was like, uh, Apple's going down. It's not, you know, he has a share price of like 285 as a target. And uh, let me just look here very quickly. Apple closed today at $435 and 75 cents. So a price of 275 is a little bit off. And I may be, I may be misquoting his price target, but I'm almost certain it's under 300. So, um, so, so you have such a divergence. And from my following of these people, there are more of them that are bulls, meaning they think the stock will go up than bears who think the stock will go down. Well, I would think if they get surprises to the upside, it makes them look good um, rather than that they're, I mean, and at the same time, nobody ever gets it right. I mean, because how the devil are you going to predict the future in this environment, right? <laughs> There's no guidance and the, the whole economy and the, the whole world is nuts, especially, you know, right now. Um, so anyway, the, the fact that there was no guidance for Apple to meet or or not meet because Apple just didn't know themselves. I mean, it, it's very, very unusual times. Right, right. And, what, yeah. what strikes more, me because more, well, well, I I, I de- debate that they would have known themselves. They would have seen their sales part. No, no, but they, sorry, you no know, guidance is issued. Guidance is issued three months in advance. Yeah, three yeah, months ago they had no idea. Yeah, but you, no, but you can jump in because that's what our company does. You you can give some um, preemptive as long as you give it out to everybody as well. It's not. It's rare. It doesn't happen often, but it can be given. So. Um, but I mean, in in the current environment, they're not going to do that. They're going to wait until the actual um, uh, earnings result and call anyway, because it's such a volatile environment that we're in at the moment. I, I didn't actually read, but I'm assuming they didn't guide for the next quarter either. 
Correct. They What they did is they said they would offer, quote, color, unquote, but not specific guidance. Um, so they said, this is how it looks to us based on what we're seeing now. And they gave some some particulars. But they did not go. They did not say we expect uh, X dollars per share and in earnings or in X dollars in revenue. A range of they'll typically give a range of from X to Y, yeah. and what they so they did not offer that kind of uh, guidance. Yeah. So one of the things we've tracked on this show for a long time is the is you know the iPads not so good performance in previous years, and I sort of put it down to the iPad being a lot more like a computer than a phone. And people were expecting that, you know, analysts, a lot of analysts were expecting that people would change their iPads as often as they change their phones. And for a start, people aren't changing their phones as often as they used to change their phones, and they're definitely not changing their iPads as often. So for a long time, it was flat. But it ain't flat now. Um, I, I presume the pandemic has caused more people to want to educate from home, and hence more people to want iPads for their kids. So there's a 31% year-over-year growth in iPad revenue, which is kind of impressive. And the 22% growth for Mac revenue is kind of impressive too. Um, so it's obviously a combination of good machines. Maybe lots and lots and lots of people were waiting on that sodding keyboard to go away. Um, but it's, yeah, how do you disentangle, I guess, COVID from some nice product updates in both of those categories? You don't. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even try. Because how, I mean, because there's no way to... There's no way to tell, but it's I, I COVID. I'm sure is a huge uh, contributor because people want stuff for their kids who are, you know, at least in some parts of this planet looking to, looking forward to a uh, uh, education at home this coming fall, um, and just wanting to get their kids the best break they can. Yeah. So yeah, so iPad numbers were great. Yeah, no question. Uh, they also made their services. They had said uh, was it in 2016, if I remember correctly, they said they would double earnings on um, for services income, and they actually beat that. They said they would do it by the end of this year, this calendar year, hmm. and they've beat two years or pardon me, two quarters early than their original goal. So yeah. that was a um, you know a notable part of the call. There's a couple more, but you go ahead. What else do you want to? Well, to, to be honest, that, that, that they're kind of the three things you just mentioned are what sort of struck me. And I, I sort of want to put a pin in the services number because I think it's really important to the discussion we're going to be having on antitrust. Um, but <laughs> the, the graph on the service, like if uh, Six Colors, it's linked in the show notes, but Six Colors do amazing charts, which I always use to try to put these numbers into context. And most of the charts go up and down and they're all over the shop. Like, oh, you know, they're like, they look like an equalizer instead of like, you know, some sort of sane logical progression but the services revenue is just a nice gentle almost straight line with a, with a gentle slope on it if i was in a physics experiment i would want my results to look like that because i'd know i was fitting to an actual straight line um it, it's kind of impressive how unwobbly that line is and how the, the the growth is just slow and steady wins the race i guess i suppose the only downside to that is they don't break out the services which are made up of a lot of different um yes functions so that that's the only downside to that so there could be lots of movement within within that which which is good because they've still got the upward growth and they're not they've not put all their eggs in one basket as it were but within services so um i know that the analysts would really like to see that breakdown i think wouldn't they 
Oh, sure. They will. They'll take any detail they can get. Yeah. Did um, Apple did mention on the conference on the call conference call that uh, both advertising and Apple Care revenue were down. App Store was up, and some of the other services were up, but those two specific ones were down. So they did. They're not going to give them exact numbers on that, but yeah. they did give we say a little color. Yeah. So. Again, let's put a pin in that, especially the App Store, because that's going to be very relevant to future conversation on this very podcast. Um, is there anything else we should be paying attention to, um, particularly uh, um, Linda, that, that you think we should be noticing? Yeah, I'll, there's two things. Uh, you have a, um, a link here on the four for one stock split. That... Um, for people who don't know uh, what they do, say if the stock were, and it's above that now, but if the stock were $400, people who own one share of Apple uh, at the point when they make the split, people who own now own one share, and if it's at $400, then they would now get four shares at $100. So there's no monetary um, uh, benefit one way or the other. But historically and psychologically, people tend to buy those stocks after a split. So it's more or less a statement of confidence and from a site and the market is so based on psychology. Um, and then the other thing that I'll note about that is if you look at the other, um, and this is again related to the thing about the, the, the hearings, the congressional hearings and all that on the antitrust, um, the other stocks that are being looked at for antitrust, all of them have huge share prices, Amazon, Alphabet, uh, now Facebook, I think, is only about 200, 300 bucks. But this puts Apple on the low end from a share price perspective, which really doesn't mean anything um, from a mathematical perspective. But psychologically, they go, oh, well, why would you pick on poor Apple? It's only $100 a share or it's only $150 a share. And all the, uh, these others are so much more, right? So there's a little psychology there. It's also the case that if you're like an Apple fan who just wants a share of Apple, it's a much easier ask to take 100 of your hard-earned dollars and put them towards Apple than 400 of your hard-earned dollars and put them towards Apple. Exactly. And because that thing, that kind of thing happens, the share prices tend to go up after a split. Yeah. So so does that one, the, 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 the split? Um, and then the other thing... Um, I have to mention this because it's so caught my ear and it's in one of your links from iMore. Um, Tim is asked a question by Shannon Cross uh, about Apple Silicon. Mm -hmm. And he says something so tantalizing. He's like, well, this is going to give this, give us the ability to do all these cool things you know, and then he, and then, and then, and and then he kind of trails off, and it's, it's like, oh, what could he be talking about? I mean, it's very much, um, and he sounds. If you listen to him, he sounds very sincere, like that's off the top of his head, and like he caught himself. I can't say anything about what we're looking at, but it allows us to do all this new innovation, these cool things we're going to be doing, and of course, you know, that's so enticing to us Apple fans. Like, ooh, ooh, what are they going to do? You know, yeah. So, yeah, so anyway, it's um, a story that I was in very much two minds about whether or not I should throw it into the show notes was Intel's disaster this month. 
Uh, it's like, oh yeah, well, that seven nanometer process. Yeah, we we actually don't have the technical skills to put that out. Sorry about that. That's going to be delayed. Oh, and our earnings have collapsed. Oh, and in the middle of our earnings call, our CEO happens to blurt out, "Ah, do you know something? We might just get someone else to make our chips for us." Uh, what? Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. In- Intel is you know about four mile from my front door here in Ireland, and to say that it didn't go down well here is to put it mildly. It's like, wait a minute. Uh, you make your chips just over here, and lots of my friends work there. Don't be so cavalier. And yeah. get, get your stuff yeah. in order. Yeah. So that's so. I yeah. I those are the only things that I, I did want to mention. Those two, and yeah, Intel. I don't know what to say about them, but we'll see. It, it certainly doesn't look like they made the wrong choice. There's nothing about this month's news that made you say, "Oh, Apple, you silly billies for leaving Intel." It's like that definitely was yeah. not the impression I got. No. Gaz, any any final thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, just looking through that that Q three was the biggest Q three since well, the numbers that I can see go back to uh, uh, twenty fifth, uh, yeah, twenty fifteen, um, and that was the biggest Q three since then. And you think the world we're in, that's quite impressive. And also the 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 percentage of services over. Um, because the the percentage over the iPhone dropped, um, wearable stayed roughly about the same to where they've been for a little while. Mac stayed about the same, a slight increase, and iPad actually increased, as we said. But also, so iPad and services went up. So that's probably exactly where they want it to be. I, I think they're in such a incredibly strong position at the moment. It's just it, mm. it's just mind boggling. Um, when I when I first started getting a Mac, which was back in 2008, yeah. 12 years ago, to see that company where they are now, mind-boggling. Yeah. Mind yeah. Actually, it's just I was just reading through my own notes here. There is one more thing we forgot to mention that was said during the call. Um, the next iPhone won't ship until October, we now know. Right. That was a throwaway comment in the call, I think. And if anybody was surprised at that, then they really do. They, they've been living under a stone, I would say. So, that, To be honest, that's fair. Um, that is definitely a fair statement, given where things are. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, let us move then into main story number two. Apple reveals plan for carbon neutrality by 2030, which is only 10 years from now. And what, what sort of struck me about this is that it's very ambitious to be carbon neutral by 2030. That's well ahead of the goals that countries are setting for themselves. And you might be saying to yourself, but I thought Apple already was carbon neutral. It's like, well, yes, Apple's own stuff has been for some time, but they don't just mean the stuff they do in-house. They mean their entire supply chain. So they, they basically mean that it should be as if, from a carbon point of view, it should be as if Apple doesn't exist. So if they hire some someone to build stuff in China, they need to be carbon neutral too. It all counts, and they want it all down to neutral by 2030. Uh, a lot of that will be through reductions, uh, but some of it will also be through offsetting. And it's actually a much bigger plan. So there's a really, really good article linked in the show notes from iMore where they go through this kind of stuff in general. But it's so much bigger than just being carbon neutral because they're also trying to get to a circular economy where they're bringing as few as possible materials in and basically recycling as much as possible of the the, the rare earths and all these kind of things. 
They're also talking about doing better chemistry so they have much fewer, you know, nasty things like lead, arsenic, beryllium, mercury, BFRs, PVCs, all those icky things. They want as few as possible of those in their entire manufacturing process. So this is an absolutely huge undertaking that they're making. And it's I always find it nice that you can see a company that's really profitable also be environmentally responsible because it sort of puts the lie to people who say, oh, well, we can either have an economy or we can be green. So, no, you can't do both. And and maybe that, that comment that Linda mentioned from Tim Cook, maybe that's part of it as well, you know, that we're, they feel that they're not just bringing um, products, but they're bringing the development around carbon neutral products as well, because that ain't so long away. It isn't, no. So, and I think this is absolutely superb for them to put this down on paper and commit to it, because they will be held to it as well. So, yeah. they've got they've got stuff coming soon, I think, on this, and this is just superb. Well, you say coming soon, Gaz. Uh, related well, story: the 16-inch yeah. MacBook Pro will be the first computer to make use of the zero-carbon aluminium process Apple invested in. I think it was last year. Very good. That's excellent. Yeah, and it has to be done. You're absolutely right. It has to be done. Yeah. And I mean, this also, this isn't just an aspiration. This is like, there's way more detail in this plan. You know, 75% will be reductions, 25% will be offset. Uh, We have zero waste, which is another thing. So they don't want to be using landfill either anywhere in their supply chain. Uh, They don't want noxious chemicals. So no climate change, no noxious chemicals and no landfill. And they, they have plans in place to get all of this by 2030. That's... That is kind of impressive. I actually, guys, you probably remember this from back in the IMP days, where Apple were getting lambasted by Greenpeace because they didn't have these highfalutin plans. They were only doing things. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. They they got hit and hit and hit and repeatedly hit. And if any of those organisations hit them now, they really ought to take a look and say, "Well, there's, I think there's a few other companies that are not being quite as." Uh, yeah. And I think they always had a, a, an ethical view on that, but they did. It's just, but um, obviously now we're in a situation where we need these sorts of companies to come out and you know lead the way. Definitely. Yeah, because it's, it's been a very long time that Apple have had that slide up where they've had the you know the sort of the checklist in terms of environmentals. Yeah. yeah you know, no brominated doodads. Can't remember brominated chlorides now I'm making stuff up now it definitely had bromine in it somewhere and it was really noxious uh, this whole checklist of things Greenpeace used to show up regularly at the Apple shareholders meetings I remember that well I remember Steve's response to them it was it was always an interesting interaction to watch I would love to have seen that actually yeah because back in those days Greenpeace were giving companies like Dell and HP props for promising to do vague things in the distant future Right. And of course, that none of that came to pass. And Apple were just getting busy doing things and they were being lambasted for not making these highfalutin promises. And uh, it turns out that uh, the tortoise has very much won this race. Steve was very clear in his response to them, as only Steve could be. <laughs> but he was, in fact, doing things and he was very specific in the things they were doing. And it really, it, it got a response. It was interesting to watch. Yeah. So. Cool. Uh, unless anyone else can chime in, I'm going to move on to main story number three, which is another one with a bit of an Irish twist. 
The European Court of Justice has overturned the 13 billion euro tax bill imposed on Apple by the European Commission. So, a quick recap, as short as I can make it. So, within the European Union, certain powers are delegated to the European Union and certain powers are retained by the member states. And one of those powers that is currently retained by the member states is the power to set the tax rate. And there are many large countries within Europe who want that power centralised, particularly would be Germany and France would be very high on that list. And then there are many small countries who absolutely positively do not want that power centralised. And Ireland would be very, very high on that list, along with Luxembourg and the Netherlands. And... Ireland has a very generous tax regime uh, to companies. I mean, it, we don't charge them zero tax. We're not like, you know, the the, the Virgin Islands or something where there's 0% corporate tax. No, it's 12.5%. Uh, but that's a lot less than a lot of other places. And Ireland allows international companies to set up shop here and pay Ireland's low rate. And that is perfectly legal and Apple make use of that. And the European Commission have no power to say that Apple can't do that. But what the European Commission do have the power to do is to regulate antitrust and state aid. And so the European Commission came up with a very interesting theory that the Irish government's tax policy counted as state aid and therefore they could tackle it on state aid grounds, not on taxation grounds, and they have rights over state aid. And hence they magicked a number out of their goodness knows what about the tax that they felt Ireland should have charged Apple, and they came to a number of 13 billion euro. And they made, uh, they made Ireland get that money out of Apple. It was put into escrow, and Apple and Ireland appealed to the highest court in Europe, which is the ECJ. And the ECJ basically went, uh, no, European Commission, you don't get the set tax policy that is delegated down to the member states, and no, this doesn't count as state aid. So, end of that novel theory, and uh, Ireland get to keep being Ireland, and Apple get their money back. Was there a, a possible appeal or not yeah. on that one? I my understanding is this is the top because I don't unless I'm missing something, which is possible. They can't, they can't go any any further, right? Yeah, my understanding is the ECJ is the top of the pile. They're the, okay. the peak of the pyramid. Yep. I th- I did hear something that. I guess there was a woman in particular that was behind, behind not that it matters, but some a per, whoever was behind the impetus for the original suit was looking at, did they have any means of appeal? Yes, that uh, will be right. uh, Vestiger is her surname. I can't remember her first name now. There's, um, Rico Decode re-aired their interviews with her uh, just this week, actually. Um, on 99% of things, I really, really like her. Um, she's Commissioner Vestiger, but she she's flat out wrong on on the Ireland thing, uh, in my opinion. Okay, um, right. But yeah, no, she is. She's been commissioner, uh, competition commissioner for quite some time, and she actually asked to be let do it again for the next commission, and she was given the job. So she 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 actually asked for it again and got it again, which is unusual because a lot of people really don't like that job because um, you're kind of perpetually unpopular as the European Commissioner on Antitrust. Yeah. Uh, sorry, on competition. She has a, a, her title is proactive, not reactive. Uh, competition is her title. Uh, 
a very much related story that broke literally the day after the court ruling is that um, the European Commission has put some new taxation rules in place. Um, and one of the things they're very much aimed at is taxing profits made in Europe by uh, online companies. So there is definitely a desire to capture more of the revenue made by these large multinational companies within Europe. Any Anyone have any other thoughts on... On this, no, I, 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 it's hard to find it exciting, isn't it? It is. It is because it was going on so long, and I think actually that you see some of these things because Linda, I, I was the same ilk. I think I heard someone go, "Oh, we're going to appeal." Well, actually, you get to a certain point where you cannot appeal anymore, and I think you may well be right. There, there'd have to be grounds. There had to be some sort of. It's not just a oh, will appeal. Because it is the highest court, so you'd have to we, find an we excuse. We kind of got into that world, didn't we? And I think that's what you know the, where the commentary came from. But uh, no, that's it. End of story. Let's hope it is. Let's move on to the next one because there will be another one. Indeed, indeed. Well, moving on, not very far at all. Uh, story number four: antitrust pressure mounts on Apple on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean. Let's start on this side. Uh, so here in Europe. Italy are launching an investigation into Apple and Amazon over their recent deal where they basically, Apple and Amazon came to an agreement where Amazon would put their prime stuff into the Apple TV using all of Apple's APIs so it works properly with the TV app. And Amazon would start to police their Amazon store for anyone selling Apple stuff to make sure that it was only authorized resellers who were able to sell Apple stuff on Amazon. And Italy does not like that kind of arrangement where you have a supposed marketplace with these kind of very specialised rules in place. So they're investigating whether or not that's illegal within Europe. So that will be an interesting one to watch. Telegram have filed an EU antitrust complaint against Apple. And I was very confused by why Telegram would want to file a complaint until I read the complaint. And basically they were thinking of making a gaming store. And then they realised that the only store you can have on an Apple devices is Apple Store, so they couldn't make a gaming store on the iPhone, and they don't think that's fair. Uh, uh, meanwhile, uh, we have EU regulations targeting app stores, um, and those regulations are, com- are actually coming into play. So it'll be very interesting to see how this pans out. So I'm just going to quote uh, from the iMore story. As Steve Trondon-Smith notes, these new regulations will have ramifications in the EU App Store, not only regarding 30 days notice and disclosure of preferential treatment, but also the fact that disputes that can't be resolved by Apple's app review will have to be settled by an external mediator. So what these new regulations say is you can't just kick an app out of your app store. You have to give 30 days notice. You have to try to resolve it. And if you can't resolve it, you have to go to a mediator to try to get it resolved. So that means if someone's... So this kind of lines up with what Apple sort of voluntarily did just last month where they said, we won't throw your app out, we'll keep doing security updates while we hammer it out. Well, in Europe, you now have no choice. That's now the the law. So, interesting. Okay, now I have a question about that. Mm-hmm. What happens if somebody's got really horrendous code of some sort in their app and they're going, no, 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 we want that code in there. And then by horrendous code, I don't I mean I don't mean um just incompetent or something. I mean malware, it basically. Yeah, malware or security, you know, or just a a gaping hole, a gaping vulnerability. What I mean, an Apple can't just pull that? I would they imagine they could for for security reasons, because that's not a dispute, right? That's we are protecting yeah. your customers by removing malware. 
But what happens if the <laughs> developer disputes it? I mean, I, you, I don't know. I'm just, maybe I'm being... But I would have were, to go read the fine print, but I would imagine that the regulations would allow for that. Just like the regulations, you know, like if someone puts up something that is actively damaging, that like that is that is different, right? In fact, Apple may well have a, a, a legal requirement to take down things, right? You you have takedown laws as well as having laws that say that you have to resolve disputes in appropriate okay. ways. Yeah, as long as there's provisions for that, so. Okay. Yeah, I haven't read the exact law, but I would have, I would hope there are. Well, I guess if there aren't, we'll soon find out. But that... <laughs> yeah, really. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, we had a great big show in Congress for was it seven hours or something? Um, so the U.S. House had a committee hearing on antitrust, and they called in the CEOs of the big tech companies, including a certain Timothy Cook, um, and. To some extent, Apple got the least, they sort of, they mushed it all together because the issues facing Facebook and the issues facing Amazon are very different to the issues facing Apple. So it was kind of strange and Google sort of hooshed them all into the one hearing and then to ping pong the questions between a Republican question and a Democratic question. So it was kind of all over the shop. Um but from from the Apple point of view, the big issue that came up again and again was the App Store. That that's sort of where Apple is in trouble, and so you have Tim Cook saying that we treat everyone the same, and the App Store actually that's uh, sort of the five key quotes, which is uh, thank goodness the Mac Observer picked these out. Um, Apple has opened the gate wider in the App Store. Apple has created an economic miracle with the App Store. Uh, Apple highlighted their education stuff through the store. Uh, and they say that they treat all apps the same. Now, Congress also released some emails they subpoenaed out of Apple where they literally have Apple negotiating with Amazon to not treat them exactly the same. So for Tim Cook under oath to say we treat all developers the same, while we know for a fact that's not true, that rankles me. Um, And... My big thing at the moment, I I sort of have this catchphrase of follow the money. And generally speaking, the reason me and Apple get along well is because 99% of the time, Apple's incentives and my incentives are aligned because I am Apple's paying customer, not the product Apple is selling to someone else, which is the problem I have with Google and Facebook. I'm the product, not the customer. But in the case of Apple's drive for services... They are now incentivized to make the App Store a horrible place for me as a customer and for developers. And so they are incentivized to have apps that are extortionate and that trick you into signing up for subscriptions. They are incentivized to have these kind of apps where you have to pay to win games. And they're incentivized to have these very unfair cuts. And they're incentivized to do things like make hay hand over 30% of the revenue. And the incentives are just completely out of line with with my interest, and it's making for what I think is a really toxic environment in the app store. So that I that's my feeling on the matter, which is quite opinionated. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with any of those. One of the things that I, I, I picked up did they say that only sixteen percent of the apps? are commissioned i.e that they pay a commission on those particular apps now that kind of hinted that um 
the other 84% are there for free apps, which I'm thinking that's not quite how I see it. And I may have mm. picked that up slightly incorrectly, but I think, you know, these are um, statistics and damn lies kicking out here. It, feel, it feels like that. So I, I think, yeah, a little bit of, of number crunching and wrangling went on there. And I kind of agree with what you were saying, Bart, definitely, because I'm totally with you on follow the money, always have been. Um, and always trusting Apple because, you know, you are paying them for a device, so they tend not to utilize your information so much. So let's hope that we're not going too far down that avenue, and let's see if they get a kickback on that, but I can't yeah. see it. Yeah, it's, it's, what really gets me is the stuff like the Netflix and stuff, mm. where they're not allowed to tell you how to sign up. Because even just telling you that you need to have a membership from from their website is against Apple's rules, and that's just utterly, utterly customer hostile. I go to the I, I go to the store, I download an app, and I can't use it. And Apple have forced the developer to make my life difficult, and that is so un Apple and so against the experience we usually have. And it's entirely because they've tied themselves to this goal of doubling services revenue. Well, they've they've achieved that goal now, to be fair, and I don't know I don't know how much you know, how much of a problem there is. I, I do know that um there were a lot of people on this over here on this in Silicon Valley, let's put it that way, at least, who were of the opinion that most of the congressional hearing was a lot of uh just just uproar, uh, without without clarity, at least with respect to Apple because you had that bouncing back and forth between the Republicans and the Democrats and the Republicans tend to be saying simply to Google and to Facebook, you're biased against us. That seemed to be their main thing. Um, Which just isn't relevant to Apple because they're not a content company. Exactly. Exactly. And um, the, the, the notion that um, uh, the problem for Apple is the app store and also um, it's the platform itself and because Apple itself offers apps and then competes with apps that are on the App Store and they control the App Store. So that's the antitrust issue from from, from a U.S. perspective. The U.S. laws are different from EU laws. Uh, and it's not the other – from congressional standpoint, the question was, are the current, e, current uh, antitrust laws sufficient for the current day with these companies? So it's an open question. Now, Apple and Amazon are similar in that they compete with others on their same platform, and yet they control the platform. Yeah. Is that – yeah, so. Yeah, and that is, that is a very difficult one. And, you know, there is a very strong argument that from a security point of view, it's really good that Apple are the gatekeepers of – because it, it has made a very safe environment. But the fact that they're now also trying to extract money from that environment, if – if Apple were to say the App Store is a break-even thing to help the platform, I would cease to have an issue with how they're on the App Store. But they're trying to extract profit from it to meet this goal of getting this massive services revenue. If they just exempted the App Store, the, the, then the incentives wouldn't be... They wouldn't be aligned against their customers. Yeah, I suspect that the App Store is a significant contributor 
I mean, they don't break that out. Like we, yeah. we, we were just, like Gaz was just saying, you know, we, they don't break that out as to what is, is contributing to the search. But I suspect that the app store is significant. So what Apple may need to do something, and they may be able to do this, to somehow tweak their rules in such a way to make or offer some means of transparency that allows them, you know, to maintain things as they are and yet make it more fair. Um, and that's going to be what's interesting to watch. I, I just don't see how the, how they can continue to get it to, to extract every penny they can out of it and run a good app store. They can do one or the other. They can't. They can't bleed it dry and run it well. Well, bleed. All right. So, but bleeding it dry is kind of an extreme position. Maybe they can set up a set of rules that are more, um, more fair, more, more transparent, et cetera. I'm, I'm not willing to say they can't do it because they come up with stuff all the time that astounds me. So, but, um, they're going to need to do something is my guess. Although, um, if things change the way they look to be changing, they currently, you know, mm. again, knowing we can't predict the future. If in the U S the political environment changes the way it looks to be changing, then uh, it's really hard to, well, number one, it's hard to tell if the congressional forces in D.C. are going to be able, congressional or administration, any of it, is going to be able to do anything about this because there's going to be so much other stuff to handle. You know, it's not like the U.S. government doesn't have a lot on its plate. I would imagine Europe is going to be a big player in in the App Store in particular. I I think that if they don't act quickly... They're going to have actions forced on them. And I think they'd be much better off being proactive than waiting to have something enforced on them because what's enforced on them is going to be less good than what they could come up with themselves. I agree. Absolutely agree. Yep. Any final thoughts, Kels? No, I think that's... <laughs> Who'd be a top... Uh, in fact, I did have a thought at the very start of this, which was a little bit flippant. So, listeners, this is a little bit of a flippant. That's a good way to round out a, a potentially depressing story. Be flippant. Um, I wonder if that's why they don't mind doing as much business in China, because it's one law, bang, you do it, take those apps out, and then carry on with your business. <laughs> Told you it was flippant. Told you it was flippant. Well, you know, the, the, we could end up in a situation in Europe where we have a very different app store. I have to wonder if Europe imposed rules, would others in the world get the benefit or would it be only the European app store gets the, the, the benefits? Mm. could be very interesting. Okay, final story I have is a good month for Apple original content. And I had mentally meant to save our whole We Love Greyhound conversation for now, but we've already done that. Um, so what I will say is that Apple did well at the Emmy Awards. They picked up two Emmys, one for Ghostwriter and one for Peanuts in Space. Uh, and they also got more than a dozen nominations. Um, in fact, there's a nice list over on the Mac Observer of all the nominations they got. And it's kind of what's interesting to me is sort of the categories. So outstanding lead actor, outstanding lead actress, outstanding actor in a drama series. What's the difference in oh supporting? Sorry. Yes. Outstanding guest actor, outstanding directing, outstanding production and design, outstanding main title design. That seems a bit... Anyway. Outstanding picture editing, outstanding sound mixing. So basically, if you're looking through, what do we have here? Um, The Elephant Queen, Home, Central Park, Defending Jacob, Beastie Boys Story. Look a lot. The Morning Show got a lot. Um... A lot of stuff for the morning show, actually. Um, yeah, actually, the morning show and Defending Jacob seem to have gotten the, the vast bulk of these and the Beastie Boys. So 
that's not bad for a less than one year old um, media company. Uh, and apparently, no other stu- no other uh, service has gotten an Emmy in their first year. So that's a if you pick hard enough, you can find these firsts. Um, and then another piece of news that's somewhat related is that um, Universal Movies have struck a deal where it, their movies can come to iTunes seventeen days after the theatrical release, which is darn quick for stuff to be available through basically through Apple's iTunes slash TV app. I wonder if that's going to change in the next few months, though. But after COVID, is that a temporary, or is that I didn't look at that? Well, link. I, my understanding is it's a deal that that's not short term. Okay. I, yeah, I I wonder whether that that period may even come down. Yeah. You think it could get even shorter? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think the whole film industry and Hollywood in general, I think it's got to it's just got to step back and take another look because. Theatres aren't going to be full anytime soon. That seems realistic, all right, yeah. So, I, you know, if, the, if they want to start getting to the people, I think they've got to change it. If, if you think, I, I heard somebody talk, which podcast was it? I can't remember what the podcast was. But it was talking about the fact that if you think about how people watch a film, they've watched films on dreadful, dreadful experiences, i.e. it's a small screen or it's a, it's a rough cut of a film which they may or you know, should or shouldn't be watching. Um, you know, the sound experience is not what you'd hope it to be. But Hollywood wants to create this experience which takes you to the theatre. Well, now that has been stopped through, you know, through COVID mm. um, and they're going to have to start delivering and getting content to people and people paying for it in a different way well if they start saying 17 days after theatrical release we're going to get the same problem with piracy etc um happening i know that's a lot more difficult these days and i'm i don't advocate that whatsoever but i think they've got to they've got to start thinking about different ways and being able to do a lot more streaming than ever they have in the past I mean, the key to the success of iTunes was the fact that it was easier to pay the 99 cent than it was to pirate. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So. Okay. Um, the other story in there is that apparently Greyhound set opening weekend records for Apple TV Plus because lots and lots and lots of people wanted to see a Tom Hanks movie. Shock and or horror. Um. That I think that wraps us up. So that just brings us to a few quick stories to round out the month's news. Um, this The first one actually makes me very happy. You can finally buy a gift card from Apple where it's one gift card, which covers the Apple Store and the App Store slash iTunes, etc. So that the hardware software disconnect is gone. So you can just buy someone a voucher for some Apple stuff of your choice. So thank goodness for that. It was about bloody yeah, I was, time. I was, I was frowning at that statement, thinking, okay, mate, I do that in the moment. But then I've realised you mean actual physical Apple stores. Yes, the Apple yeah. store and the App yeah. store. Because yeah. 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 there used to be a bit of a difference between iTunes vouchers and App vouchers as well, although you could always spend them in the same place. I don't think people, you know, they kind of thought, oh, I'm just getting the music voucher and I'm getting an App store voucher. But they were always, I think, interchangeable. They were, because basically it's the iTunes back end for both. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the Apple store where you buy your, you know, your, so you could basically now buy a watch strap or a nice photo editor for 50 quid, depending on, you know, with your 50 euro voucher or whatever. 
Is he gonna, you now, know, buy yourself? I, I wonder when they get to it, when, when or if they'll ever get to a point in so much as I have credit on my um, Apple account, whether I'll be able to spend that in the Apple, Apple store. Well, well, in America with Apple Pay Cash, you can, right? Because you can basically put the money sort of on your Apple Pay sort of yeah, it's, 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 we just don't have that here. No, no, no. So we we have to see. We'll have to see. Apple have also launched audio stories in their news app, so you can hear someone read you the news. Um, and Function 101 are selling an Apple TV remote that, quote-unquote, hopefully doesn't suck. Now, this story made me very happy. Uh, so some months ago, a Swiss... Um, TV station started to ship Apple TVs as their box. Sorry, not a TV station. A cable provider started to ship Apple TVs as their 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 box that went with their subscriptions, and they didn't want to ship Apple's remote because it sucks. So they made their own remote with Apple's permission, and it was what looked to me like a really nice remote. But it was only available in Switzerland if you were a customer of this cable company, and I bemoaned this on the show and one of our listeners called Bruno thank you Bruno you rock um sent me one and so I've been using this remote for months now and I absolutely positively adore it uh, and it absolutely doesn't suck and my normal Apple TV remote is now covered in a layer of dust um but you don't need to have a really cool listener to send you stuff you can actually now proactively go out and buy one because they've been released as a standalone product for thirty dollars so, now, Bart, I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. Because, um, somebody I knew in Switzerland also sent me one of these. Ah. It's a little bit larger than um, the, the Apple remote. Quite a bit yeah. larger, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I've got against it, and I don't know whether this one has the version, is you can't use Siri on the remote, of course. So you have to, you have, you have to use that through maybe your phone. Or, or, or you don't. Or you don't. Yeah, I'm not even sure if we have Siri available in Ireland because Siri is not available in every country. Ah, uh, now we do use Siri a lot for the Apple TV. I've got to say. Okay, well, I have never felt the need. I shout at my telly a lot, but it's it's not <laughs> with the intent of achieving anything. It's it's exasperation. Yeah, that's the only that's the only one slight downside to it. But other than that, I like it as a remote as well. I've got to say. Yeah, and I can tell which side is up. Hmm. <sighs> It's asymmetrical. It's really good that way. So anyway, Function 101 are selling these remotes so everyone can have the joy myself and Gaz have at the moment. And then finally, if you have a Samsung TV, you can now get real-time lyrics so you can basically use your Samsung TV along with Apple Music as a karaoke machine because that's exactly what your neighbours were hoping you'd do. Hurrah! Uh (laughs) Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of another month's worth of Apple news. So uh, that's what happened in July, folks. Um, Gaz, Linda, thank you very much for giving so generously of your time. Um, In no particular order, do you want to tell the good listeners where they can find out more? Let me see. I introduced Linda first, so let's go in reverse order. Gaz, where can the good listeners hear more of your dulcet tones? Uh, quite simply, uh, wander over to uh, the uh, mymac.com uh, website and you will find links on there for the MyMac 
podcast. We do have the mymacpodcast.com as well, but go searching and you will find uh, my Mac. And we refer to ourselves as the G-Men where I have a, well, I don't have the podcast, but we have a podcast where um, I co-host with Guy Searle. Uh, we call ourselves the G-Men. Uh, it's a weekly podcast and we just have fun. It's two, it's two guys that now have met once um, and uh, we just really get on really well we've been doing it for well it must be 10 years now almost mm. not longer so no it is longer it is longer than 10 years oh my word <laughs> um yeah yeah and um i'm on twitter as gazmaz as well so excellent uh, it was i believe one of your catchphrases an irreverent look at apple news irreverent yes totally <laughs> i think that's apt I, i've been a guest a few times irreverent definitely definitely was yeah. my opinion utterly fun would be another opinion but uh, irreverent too Thank you. No, cheers, guys. Uh, Linda, do you want to give a plug for your little Mac user group thingamabob? Yeah, uh, Silicon Valley Mac user group, svmug.org on, uh, on the net. And we are doing remote meetings these days, actually using WebEx. Uh, so for people who are in the right you know, the right time zone and let, they don't have to get up at what two in the morning as you would Bart or something yeah. like that. <laughs> but, uh, cause the meetings are on California time seven, they start at 7 PM on the third Monday of the month. Um, I'm also on Twitter at LLG four CDG. Uh, but I'm not, don't spend a lot of time on Twitter. So Silicon Valley Mac user group is the best place to find, find me. Excellent. And so, as I say, if you're even vaguely close to Silicon Valley time zone, um, now's a great time to join in a digital community full of like-minded Apple people. Yeah. Yeah. We're having fun still. We're still moving along. We've had Chuck Joyner on for uh, like two months in a row. So we have, yeah. So just for various things, he did uh, an interview with Adam Inks of Tidbits um, last month uh, talking about WWDC. So that was fun. Oh wow, that's and, uh, just that's a great two for there. Two great people to yeah. have on together. Yeah, so we, we usually have somebody pretty good. We're gonna do something on Hazel this upcoming meeting with one of one of our folks is gonna do a um an overview of the of the app. Love Hazel. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I'm another massive Hazel lover because I'm a big believer that my computer should do as much for me as possible because that's what it's for. And Hazel is one of those tools to make magic happen behind the scenes automatically. Yeah. Yeah. So Excellent. Well, there are detailed show notes, and I do say that because I put a lot of bloody time into them. Uh, there are detailed show notes over at letstalk.ie. I've basically gathered together all of the links that informed my thinking on July's Apple News and put them all together for you with like little emoji to highlight which ones belong to which country and so on and so forth. So that's at letstalk.ie. And while you're there, you'll see a header in the sidebar called Support the Show. I want to thank everyone who has supported the show ever, anyone who continues to support the show now. And support comes in all sorts of forms. So if you've ever told a friend about the show, then you have supported the show and thank you very much. If you simply tweet about it or post about it on Facebook or Instagram or whatever other social media I'm terrible at being on, all of that is supporting the show and I greatly appreciate it. Leaving a review in your podcatcher of choice, that's again, supporting the show, extremely valuable and extremely appreciated. And then there's the more practical shall we say support of the show um the the single most sort of the single best way to reduce bart's monthly stress is to become a patron of the show on patreon this is a wonderful mechanism to allow you to efficiently give small dollar amounts where paypal don't take all the money and leave 
but you know you with no money and me with very little to show for it either um, the way it works is you pledge a small dollar amount per episode will be exactly two episodes each month one Apple one photography so if you'd like to give me two dollars a month pledge one uh, if you'd like to give me four dollars pledge two you get the idea and the way it works is at the end of the month I get one transaction from Patreon and that is approximately the same size as my bills for making this podcast and that's sort of what I was hoping to achieve and then the other way to support the show is for sort of a one-off I'd like to throw Bart a few bob um, not very efficient for small dollar amounts but very efficient for you know five ten dollar donations and so forth and that is PayPal and I use that for doing things like buying new shiny software or you know important things like microphones uh, the lovely boom arm that is currently holding the microphone in front of my face has come out of the paypal money uh, so it's for those kind of things and everyone who's ever pushed that button thank you very much for supporting the show there are also then affiliate links for hover.com who are a domain registrar who i use for many many things uh, if you use that link i get a little bit of money when you buy stuff and for DigitalOcean, who do cloud hosting, and the DigitalOcean one is kind of cool because if you sign up using that link, you get some free money and I get some free money, uh, but only if you actually spend at least $50. So basically, when you spend the first $50, you get some credit and I get some credit. And that has actually given us quite a few months of free hosting, actually. So thank you to everyone who's pushed that button. So anyway, let's-talk.ie. I've been your host, Bart Bouchard. So you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time... Happy computing! You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi everyone, this is Gaz from the MyMac.com podcast, and I'm here with that big Yang Tank guy. Hey, you nitwit Brit. Did you know the MyMac.com podcast is one of the longest-running Mac podcasts out there? I did know that. Why do you think that is? I think it's because we bring a blend of tech and entertainment that no other show can do. I thought it was because one of us is incredibly handsome. <laughs> well, thanks, Gaz. I do try to look my best. Yes, guy. Of course. But how can people find the podcast? Well, they should just go to iTunes and do a podcast search for MyMac.com. So subscribe and get your weekly dose of tech fun. Wait, I, I thought I was the handsome one. Yeah, you just keep thinking that and we'll be all right. Mm -hmm.